Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. I am excited to talk with you all today, so it's just going to be me. And as I was preparing for this podcast, I had gotten to a point where I'm like, there's so much to talk about, but yet I still didn't have, you know, a steady grip on like, hey, what's this topic that I want to talk about? So I reached out to a dear good friend of mine, she's a previous podcast guest, but she's also an avid listener. And I said, hey, got to record a podcast. What should I talk about? And she had so many wonderful suggestions. And when she said her clients are already talking about the holidays, I was like, yep, that's it. Because I had already kind of made up in my mind that I was going to do some kind of offering this year to help us just figure out some grounding and boundaries um, for the upcoming holiday season. So that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. I want to talk about how the holidays can bring a multitude of sensations and feelings and thoughts and just talk about uh, the service, uh, the offering that I have uh, to help people kind of get through some of that, or at least do some preparations. So as soon as the weather, at least here in the Midwest, starts turning a little brisk and we start to see leaves changing colors and um, you start seeing Halloween decorations and pumpkin spice lattes and pumpkin flavored this, it automatically kind of gets our bodies into the familiarity of the approaching holidays. Now, for some of us, That means excitement and joy, and um, we get really ready for the season, as we call it. And that might mean various forms of decorations and planning parties and get-togethers. For some of us, that might mean a lot of dread, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, uh, because we will be entertaining or having to be around people that we don't normally have to be around um, until this type of season. And for some of us, it's both and. And so I don't want to create this dichotomy that, you know, it's either one way or the other. I think it can be both. And I think it is often both. One thing that I will say is that the last year and a half, over a year and a half, has not been kind to our central nervous system. Somewhere around March of 2020, our collective nervous systems went into hyperdrive with the unknowns of a pandemic, with increased um, racial trauma, with harder lines of division politically, and socially, 
religiously. Our nervous systems have been on overdrive for quite some time. Not knowing when the pandemic will end, not knowing how differently our world will be tomorrow than it was today, the ever-changing landscape with new information and new data. It's a lot, y'all. And so I guess one thing I want to ask is, like, have you actually paused and recognized that it's a lot? So many of us have, I don't know, navigated chaos and instability and trauma for so long that being in our sympathetic nervous system, that's our fight or flight, or being in shutdown or freeze, is something that we do so often that even though we can look outside us and recognize that so much in the world is happening, it may just feel like the same old grind, the same old thing. And so, I mean, I think that's the first thing. Like, can you just pause you? Yeah, you listening. Whether you feel like you have been rocking it this last year and a half and whether you were able to find outlets and hobbies and and ways to really move throughout this time in a graceful, productive way, or whether you feel like you are a hot mess. (laughs) And some days it's all both in the same day. Can we just take a collective breath, literally, in through your nose? Slow, long, controlled exhale. And let's do that again. And one more. Sometimes we just got to breathe this in, y'all, and really validate our own reality, which is it's a lot. And as we come towards the end of the calendar year, that often brings so much with it. My biggest encouragement is we got to keep taking those breaths. We have to slow down the pace of life sometimes to just breathe into our reality and say, you know what? I'm here. I'm doing this thing. It's a lot, but I got this. And so that's an encouraging word. I know that there can be so many things happening right now that feels like everything is falling apart. And I just want to say, you got this. So it's very important to me that people begin to understand a little bit about how they've come to be who they are and how how we've come to respond the way that we do. And nothing can take us back (laughs) into a previous state of some response, whether our fight response or our flee response or our freeze response or our flock response or our fawn response. Nothing can take us back there like having to go back to places that have held significant challenge and trauma for us. And for some of us, that is just the holidays, right? So last year around this time, I can recall having a similar conversation on the podcast talking about the holidays, but it was interesting because last year we were still pretty much in the thick 
of the pandemic. And so there were some decisions being made last year, like, are we going to gather with our families? Are we going to continue to hold traditions that for some of us have been generations passed down from generation to generation? And that was a very tough time, right? Some people were making decisions about um, their perception of safety for their immediate family. So they were gathering individually and then kind of doing virtual gatherings with extended family. Some people were saying, listen, I can't guarantee that this family member or this family member or even myself will be alive next year. So I'm not going to sacrifice getting together with my family. Um, you know, and I don't know that we will have this opportunity again. So this isn't about judging what decision you made, but I do want us to begin to just pause and think about the decision that we made last year. And what was that like? Some people were pushed into those decisions out of fear, um, whether it was fear of the, the impact of the pandemic or whether it was fear from rupturing relationships because of the decision that we were making. Well, this year, some of those decisions are the same. Um, even if they look a little differently, this year there is a vaccine that is available that wasn't available last year. But now when we have family gatherings, we're we're now having to make decisions um based on that based on that choice. And we are now being confronted with the opportunity or the reality that we're going to be sharing space and breaking bread with people who have different ideological beliefs about things like the vaccine, about the nature of the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact that it had. I remember, um, so I guess this would have been in 2019, I met um, a wedding planner. She was also a past guest on the Labors of Love um, podcast, Cindy Savage. And her and I got connected because she was asking a question in a group of, I think it was like a Facebook group for uh, wedding photographers. And she writes for a magazine and she was asking, hey, anybody have any like suggestions or talking about like, what do you, what happens for people who are planning to get married around the election time. And so her and I met, um, and I was, as a family therapist, was just kind of talking to her. And this was in 2019, kind of maybe early fall. Well, who knew that around November of 2020, there was going to be an election. I mean, there was going to be a pandemic, right? We knew the election was going to be there. And so now we are talking about holidays where people who share the same biology or same history who gather in the same place can have some very different ideas, ideologies, political views, religious views, uh, social perspectives. And for some, they get excited. Some people are natural disruptors and knowing that there's going to be this variety of opinion in a place can get them excited. They stir the pot. And so they come and they're like, uh-huh, I know that if I bring up this one topic or I know that if I say this one thing, that it can spark this and then they can kind of, and sometimes I'm not even saying that everyone who does this is maliciously intended. Sometimes they are, they're stirring a pot because they want to engage in conversation. Sometimes they're stirring the pot because they have high hopes for being able to bring about some kind of change perspective. 
for people who think differently than them. And for some other people, they can't get far enough away. They are like, "Mm -mm." they go over a list of things with their family, words to not say, (laughs) so that it doesn't bring up these conversations. And everywhere in between. And this, these are current event things. This is not to mention the long-standing, sometimes decades-long conversations that some people were dreading when engaging in, you know, family get-togethers, whether that is along the same lines of religious views and political perspectives, but also your personal life and when you're going to be partnered and if you're going to have children and your thoughts about this and that. And so if I'm describing this and you find that your heart is starting to beat a little faster, maybe your palms are getting a little sweaty, maybe you came back because you dissociated, whatever it is, let's take a breath again. In through your nose. Slow, long, controlled out. And let's do it again. And one more time. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this because you always have your breath with you. And it is one of the biggest tools we have to regulate our nervous system. For some of us, just the thought of going into the holiday season can get us pretty amped up. And so the first thing that I want you to know is taking those deep breaths with long exhales, slows the heart rate, begins to give you some regulation, can help you be grounded. I'm hoping that what people are moving into can be an awareness that we don't always have to do, we don't have to do what we've always done. When I realized that I didn't have to do what I had always done, it was one of the most empowering things for me. Let's be real. Let's be clear. That doesn't mean that I always do things differently, but there is something about knowing that I don't have to do the things that I have always done that really does give me hope and it makes me feel less stuck and less trapped. I think what 2020, 2021, and just living during a global pandemic has taught us, or at least given us the opportunity to do, is increase our creativity. How can we create new traditions? How can we realize, how can we both hold safety um, and proximity and all of those things closely as strong values? And what does that mean for how we gather or how we navigate? So I just want to remind us that we can begin to make decisions based on new data. That's not always easy. I know that there is oftentimes a lot of pressure, external pressure, um, that is present when we want to change things or do things differently. Sometimes that pressure, though, is the perception of pressure. What I mean by that is we want to make a decision that's different than decisions we've made before. But one of the things that pops up in our mind is, well, so-and-so is not going to like that. Well, that's the perception of pressure. 
It is very true that so-and-so, whoever that might be, very well might not like the decision you're going to make. But sometimes that's not even a guarantee. We project our fear onto other people so often that we have already determined the response that they're going to have without even giving them an opportunity to have it. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there are certain people that you know very well in your family or in your life, and your anticipated or your projected response that they'll have might be very accurate. But what we don't often take into account is that people do learn and grow and evolve. If you know that you do, why do we sometimes take for granted that other people also have learned new data and incorporated that into their lives and that they have grown and that they have altered their response to people? We sometimes shortchange people the opportunity to demonstrate their health and their growth because we won't even approach different things because we're afraid they're going to respond the way we think they're going to respond based on how they responded in the past. And so that's that's an offering. Can we give people the opportunity to have a different response? I think the key is, though, whether they have a different response and that response is favorable, whether they have a different response, and it's an unfavorable response, or whether they have the exact response you think that they're going to, and it's also not favorable, we can begin to put boundaries in place that can remind us that we don't have to take in everything that somebody is throwing our way. What I mean by that is when you make a decision about something regarding the holidays, uh, excuse me, I'll give an example of maybe your family or whomever you gather with have traditionally been real big on gift giving. And for whatever reason, this year, whether you're looking at the practicality of it, the finances of it, or something else, you make a decision that you yourself or you and your immediate family do not want to participate in gift giving the way you had before. You might think, or maybe even you tell yourself, no, I know that a person in my family is not going to like that decision. And so if you lean in and say, but this is a decision that I've made and I'm going to tell them my decision. Putting a functional boundary in place would mean when they roll their eyes or when they pop their lips or when they heavy sigh, that that's just data. It's just information. It's information about them and it doesn't have to get direct access to your heart and your feelings. Sometimes we hear that, And we cave and we fall into ourselves. And then we want to be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Well, let me go back on what I said. That that might be kind of that flea response. I just want to get away from it or our fawn, whatever. I'll just do whatever they want. On the other hand, sometimes <sighs> puts us in our fight response. <laughs> and the first thing, well, why you got to do? And, that, and, and we get into this defensive posture. When we're able to put a functional boundary in place, what that response might be is they get to have whatever response they have. I have made a decision. I have communicated that decision clearly and they get to feel about it how they feel. Sometimes we are ducking and dodging people's reactions because we still believe that we have 
the relationship we had with them when we were younger. What I mean by that is when you're a child growing up and your caregiver is displeased with you, that poses a very direct threat to your survival. Because as a child, you can't care for and fend for yourself. So many of us have learned how to avoid the anger, frustration, and, you know, what we would consider negative responses from our caregivers, because that's part of our survival response. But you 40, (laughs) mama being mad at you because you don't want to bring gifts does not impact your livelihood anymore. You no longer need that person to provide your food, your shelter, and those things. But our littles, talk about littles all the time, they rise up and they like, we can't make her mad or we can't make him mad. Those parts of you don't realize that you're an adult and that you take care of your own livelihood. And don't get me wrong. It's not pleasant usually when other people are upset or displeased. Sometimes their response isn't in anger. It's in disappointment. That sometimes can be even worse. We definitely don't want to disappoint people that we love. But we also have to understand that our decisions that we make very thoughtfully about ourselves and our families sometimes are going to disappoint people. And because of this very thing, we can begin to start having very serious um, increased anxiety. We we can start to see a spike in depression and um, distraction and all of these things starting now because just the idea of the holidays are stirring up how little boundaries or functional boundaries, I should say, that we've had with many of our loved ones. And so just take a breath on that. Maybe you're someone who's like, no, I'm good. I can make those decisions and I feel fine communicating them. That's great. But no, there might be somebody in your family who doesn't feel that way. I could be describing the other person. You might be the person they're trying not to disappoint. There might not be people using their functional boundaries, putting things in place to say, this is what I want and this is what I don't want because they don't want to disappoint you. So we have this opportunity when we talk about boundaries to not only make sure that we are protecting what comes in, but that we're also being mindful and contained about what we're letting out. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be sad. But if your externalization of those feelings creates a space in your relationships where people do not feel like they have autonomy or they do not have voice, choice, and control, then we might be violating boundaries as well. And so I just think that's super important for us to think about. Sometimes boundaries over the holidays means that we need to establish ground rules before we get to the holiday gathering. That means we need to be, we need to communicate what are the things that are off limits. Sometimes people go in and we have mastered again the duck, dodge, and weave. Um, If you have small children, they are the best excuse for avoiding many things because small children, we can say they need us and so we can leave the room or even leave the gathering itself or we can go and play with them or sometimes some of us lean very heavy into helping 
Oh, got to go in there and help with this. Oh, let me do that. Let me do this. Let me do that. And all the while we're convincing ourselves that we are just so super helpful and, you know, we have this big heart when really we're just avoiding being in the same room as some people, avoiding certain conversations, avoiding certain looks. And so having ground rules ahead of time can let people know. And those ground rules can go from everything between what time we want people to arrive to what time we want people to leave. It's not uncustomary that we sometimes have people who arrive super early to our event, but they don't necessarily come to help. Maybe they're just taking up space or maybe we feel we have to entertain them, but we're trying to do other things. Maybe they do come super early to help, but we don't really want their help because the way they're helping is not additive to our peace and to fulfillment and joy. So that might mean we began to say, hey, what, whether you call them ground rules or you're just saying, hey, in preparation for our gatherings, here are a few things we've come up with. This is what time we want people to get here and we're going to start wrapping up around this time. You know, if we have things we want people to bring. I bring this up because just living life, I am around so many different people and I hear so many different conversations. And when people are like, and you know, so-and-so going to come and they ain't going to bring nothing. To it's so interesting when people start talking like that because they're not surprised. What they're telling me is that, or what I'm hearing is that these are patterned behaviors that people like clockwork can know they're coming. But the difference is whatever we're doing or not doing isn't helpful in letting that person or persons know how we feel about it. Um, just because you, I, I, this was one of my self-care Sundays a while back and I love the way I said it. I got to remember how I said it, but um, an expression of dissatisfaction does not mean you put a boundary in place. Let me say that again. An expression of dissatisfaction does not equal putting a boundary in place, a functional boundary. So sometimes when people do things and we roll our eyes and we get sarcastic, uh, these are all the fight response. Or when we shut down and we get real quiet and we don't talk to anybody or when we start fawning, what do you need? We are feeling the thing inside and we think we are actually communicating that something is wrong and what we need. But we're just at best communicating dissatisfaction. That doesn't necessarily let a person know uh, what you need or what they've done that's offensive. So part of it, which gets really uncomfortable, is we actually have to start having these conversations. It's interesting because um, this reminds me of a recent experience I had where um, I had a gathering at my house and um, someone arrived and, you know, it's been a pandemic. So like gathering has not been something that's happening and I haven't been hosting. Um, so someone I hadn't seen in a long time came and they hadn't seen my girls in a while, like, you know, almost two years or so or a year and a half or whatever. And they're still young. So one, they were kind of like coming in and my girls may have vaguely remembered this person, but the person came in and said to one of my daughters, um, Hey, can I have a hug? And my daughter said, no. And the person was like, no. And my daughter said, not right now. And this person proceeded to put their arms around my child 
and and be like, what do you mean? No, give me a hug. (laughs) Okay. So then the person asked my other daughter, could she have a hug? And my other daughter consented and and gave her one. And there was some kind of response that kind of would, would serve as an elevation of the one daughter's response, like it was better than the other. I was, it was so much going on in the moment, right? Like there was like this um, autonomic shutdown that happens to me sometimes. Like I kind of get frozen in a moment. And then there was this kind of conscious processing of like, if I go here right now, like I, this won't be good for the fact that like I'm hosting and it was just this whole thing. Right. But I knew it impacted me because then I was complaining about it later. (laughs) And I'm like, one, my children, nobody does, but my children don't owe their bodies to anybody. We respect consent in this house. If my child says no, no means no. We will not shame my children for saying no. And we definitely will not be coercive, you know, to do that. And, you know, if I were to tell this person that, you know, their actions are like a precursor to rape, they would have been highly offended. I mean, I can only imagine how that would have gone. So in that moment, I recognize, well, I, semi-conscious, semi-not, like I didn't address it in the moment. But then I realized as I reflected on the day later that I avoided that person the entire time. And I had plenty of good excuse to do that. Like it wouldn't, it, I'm sure it didn't seem like I'm avoiding you. I, um, I was busy. I was hosting and I was doing all kinds of things. It was a birthday party and I was entertaining and talking to people and making sure da, 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 right. But I recognize that I was avoiding whether it was because I didn't want to go there and kind of ruin the mood of the thing or whether there was a little fear around what the response would be. And so my reflection about that is like, okay, you know, and I think I have several options. And one of the main options is I realize this is not a person that I want to be around often or with my children. But if it's going to be kind of, I've resolved that I cannot be, you know, I I have a choice not to really be around this person that much. So, okay, that could be protective of my children. But if I am going to be, there, there's a conversation I need to have. There's some realness I have to say. There's a boundary I have to put in place. And I'm not going to lie. It's very uncomfortable for me. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like that feeling. I, I don't, I'm not a person who particularly shies away from conflict, but I definitely don't go looking for it, you know, and I'm still developing this muscle of, standing fully in my truth and using my voice. And so I just wanted to share that because I'm not trying to make it seem like y'all need to just do this and just say that. Not at all. But what I am saying is I appreciate that I recognized it. I appreciate that, you know, I now recognize what some of my choices are and I probably haven't explored all of them, but I at least know what some of these choices are and that I've communicated this like to my husband and and to people who can not only give me support but hold me accountable to the boundary that I'm putting in place. And so where are the people that can give you your support 
but also hold you accountable for the boundaries that you need to put in place. Sometimes our venting buddies are not those people. They might listen. Maybe they listen very well. Maybe they're people who gas us up and get us more upset. Maybe they calm us down, but are they going to help you feel supported in maintaining the boundaries that you say you want to set? I think that's super important. But as we go into this holiday season, just know that it's a lot. It probably has always been a lot, but it definitely is a lot now. And I also want to be clear that as we're moving closer to the holidays and you are beginning to experience in your body the impact of that, it doesn't always come with a pumpkin or a wreath or um, (laughs) a red bow. Sometimes these feelings, these sensations, these thoughts, they don't scream holiday. We just start to see like, "Mm, dang, I've been a lot. I've been a little short tempered lately. I feel like I've been a little more irritable, man. I felt sad. You know, I just can't seem to keep my focus. I'm all over the place. That's how it manifests. And so we reach for that convenient narrative. So whatever is right in front of us or, you know, most recently happened, we start attributing these sensations, feelings, and thoughts to those things. But really, it is the impending weight that being in the collective during the holiday season can give to us. Holidays are also high grief times. So during this time of year, it is not uncommon. It's actually very common that aspects of grief begin to emerge. Sometimes this is grief that we have gone through over and over again, regularly, cyclically. Sometimes it's unaddressed grief that we keep suppressing and not dealing with, but know that grief is like poop. You're going to do it a lot. And if you don't, you're going to get sick, right? So when we Lean into grief as a normal function of life instead of a thing that we want to avoid at all costs, then it becomes less difficult for us to navigate and maneuver. I think that's real, y'all. I'm not trying to doom up the holidays, by the way. I know that some people really are excited. I'm excited. It is my first time having a space where we can actually, you know, host large gatherings if we want. Um, I'm excited to have a Christmas tree. Um, We had a little Charlie Brown tree for a couple of years. And then I think two years ago, we got like a little small Christmas tree, but I'm excited to decorate my home for the holidays. Um, I'm excited about a lot of things. You can simultaneously be excited about certain things and still hold some of these things and vice versa. Maybe the stress and the weight of it is is what's bigger, but there are still moments of excitement in there. Can we make space for all of it? My hope is I can help people do that. So to talk about the offerings, um, I am going to be um, facilitating hosting two workshops. They're going to be the same workshop done twice. And it's called Preparing for the Holidays, an exploration of boundaries and grounding. Um, And my goal for these two workshops is to just get people together and give them some grounding techniques, some breathing techniques that they can do before, during, and after 
um, high stress events. I want to help people start to explore their boundaries a little bit and feel empowered to not only protect themselves from what comes in, but also be able to contain themselves from what goes out. How we can strengthen our no, the ability to say no, but how we can also open opportunities for yeses and how we can feel empowered to do so from a space and posture of empowerment and not guilt, not shame, not fear. And so that's the goal for the two workshops. So the first workshop is going to be on Tuesday, November 8th, uh, 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um Yep, I think daylight savings time will be over <laughs> by then. So Eastern Standard Time, uh, November 8th. And then the second workshop is going to be on Saturday, December 11th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Both of these workshops can be registered for on my website and they are free. Yep, F-R-E-E. <laughs> so I am really excited to be able to offer this at no cost because I think it's super important. Um, I am offering it twice. There is a uh, 24 participant maximum. Um, so I highly suggest if you're interested, if you know people who are interested, um, if you're a clinician or a social worker or someone and you're working with um, a client and you've been working on boundaries and you can see the anxiety coming up, this might be a good workshop for them to hop into. It can be accessed from my website and the links to uh, sign up are in the show notes. So um, may not be for everybody, but for those who think they can use just a little bit more um, time and space to process what this is, I highly recommend that you join me. So that's it, y'all. Um, I think we have such a great opportunity to move forward in a way that fosters healing and peace and joy. And that is accessible to us, even sometimes when we look around and it doesn't feel like it. I'm holding that hope for us. Um, that this holiday season will be a different kind of holiday season if we need it to be a different kind of holiday season. For those of us who want to cling to the nostalgia and have felt safety and autonomy and joy during this time, that I wish that for you too. Um, and we lean into the both and. Okay, so per usual, I want to thank you all for tuning in. I genuinely never take it for granted when you take time to uh, check out the podcast. I want to give a special shout out to my nephew, Trey Angel, who provides all the music for the Labors of Love podcast. And of course, my producer, Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media. If you'd like to reach out to me, if you have suggestions for guests and content, please reach me at www.thelaborsoflove.com. We're on all the major social media outlets. Also, don't forget to head over, if you have not already, to Instagram and follow our uh, page specifically for the podcast, the underscore LOL underscore pod. Don't forget we have our YouTube channel where all of our Therapy Thursday videos are housed and you get this podcast everywhere you get your podcast. Until we connect again, you all be well. <laughs>